of your fellowship this morning and hearing what the Lord's doing in you and, and those of you who have shared. What a fabulous song as well, brother, that you wrote. My goodness, uh, that, was, that was just really, really terrific. I was really blessed by that and by the worship. Thank you for, uh, thank you, Susan and Bruce, for inviting me at last minute. I had a church uh, invite me to speak. I, I, as she said, I, I stepped away from a ministry in Surrey after 24 years. And uh, so I've been doing a lot of speaking across the lower mainland and in some western Washington and things of that nature. And so I had a church invite me to speak in New Westminster. And then they decided they were going to have a camp out in Hope this weekend and said, can you come up to Hope? I said, well, I could come up to Hope. And then I thought about the fact that we led a prayer meeting here, uh, 21 days of fasting and prayer on behalf of the nation several years ago. And I'm, I'm now the executive director of an organization called Free to Care, uh, .ca, free to care .ca, if you're interested in checking that out. That's a primary motivation for me to help churches and pastors who are wanting to stand in faith and truth and grace and righteousness in this dark day. And, uh, you know, your testimonies have been affirming that. So uh, I'm going to uh, share with you just something fun here uh, to, to begin with. This was the very last baptism I did after 24 years perfecting a new water baptism technique. Uh, Bruce, I think you're going to really appreciate this. If you can turn that up when you, when you go. Do I need to hit it or are you going to hit it? Okay. If it doesn't work quick, we'll just bypass it. Do I need to click it? Okay. Okay, wrong setup here. Well, you know what? We 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 could just pass it. We could just pass it. It would have been fun, but that's okay. Maybe you maybe you'll uh, see it on Facebook or something. Any, anyhow, listen, friends. Let's let's just. Uh, I think I'm going to just dive in here. If I can, we get me going on the uh, device here. We'll just bypass that, uh, Bruce. And if you want to take me, you're not Bruce. <laughs> Gordon, 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 if you just want to take me to that first rule, can you get me started there? Okay. I don't sing and dance, but maybe you could come up again. <laughs> I love that. I love that little ditty of yours. That was fabulous. Okay. It's not on that screen. So, Okay, I'm going to try to click, and is this the forward, uh, the, the small part is forward? No, I'm just saying, am I holding it right to get you go? There we go, okay, there we go. Okay, I, however, I'm not seeing it on the back screen there, um, but that's okay, we'll go from there. Listen, we're going we're gonna to just dive right in just because of the, the time, but as I'm hearing your words and as I'm hearing what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, uh, it only affirms uh, further the message that the Lord has given me, I believe, to take across Canada in this day and in this hour. 
It comes out of a message, a series of messages that I did, my final series of messages, which I called the Red Sea Rules. And it was, uh, it was taken uh, from uh, the principles, some of the principles were taken from a, uh, a book by Robert Morgan called The Red Sea Rules, fabulous little devotion. But the first rule that he, he, that, that, that he cited was the fact uh, that of learning out of the Red Sea is that wherever you're at right now is where God's got you. And I think even as I hear you speaking this morning, and the testimonies and the words that have been shared is an affirmation to this rule. Uh, the rule, of course, is easy to accept if you're in a great place. <laughs> like if you're in a hallelujah, praise God, everything's going well, right? I got plenty of money, got great health, all my relationships are synced up well, and, and everything, all, all, everything's fallen into place, and God's just doing marvelous things. Then it's easy to say, yeah, God's got me there. But if that's not the case, then this rule is something that one has to, to accept by faith. And, and where do I get that? Where do I get this idea that, that God is the one that directs you exactly where he wants you to be? I'm taking this principle from what he did in Exodus 14 with the children of Israel. If you'll know with me here, note the text. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pith-Hatharoth between Migdol and the sea. They are there to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Belsephon. Now, you and I don't, don't know the geography well. We, we, we don't understand it all. But what I want you to pick it up, I'm not going to go further into it. I want you to pick up that those are exact coordinates. It was like the original GPS. God said to Moses, look back up, go this way, go that way, encamp right here next to the mountain and the sea. At first, it looked like they got the best camping spot in the world until it wasn't. Which brings me to number two. And I heard this spoken here this morning. God's glory is more important than my relief. Maybe we ought to say that together. God's glory is more important than my relief. And where do I get that? Look at the text. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Listen, friends, it's always about the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's hard, whether it's easy, it's always about the glory of God. And yet so oftentimes, and I think this is what some of the exhortation here was about this morning, so oftentimes we wrestle and struggle with the fact that when things aren't glorious... We're struggling with where God is at. We're struggling with what God is doing. We're asking ourselves, God, if you actually were glorious, if you were actually powerful, if you were actually strong in my life, if you were doing miracles, why am I here? And yet here's the thing, friends. 
It is so often in the times of difficulty that the glory of God is seen in your life. It isn't so much that when everything's going great that people are looking at you and saying, oh my goodness, God is in his life and in her life and things are obviously fantastic for them and terrific and I could never be them. But here's the issue. When things aren't going well in our life and we are living our lives and speaking with our lips to the glory of God, I want to tell you the glory of the Lord is being seen in your life in a magnificent and powerful way. Amen? Amen. Here's where I want to center in with the bulk of my message this morning. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. Remember the campsite that looked so great? As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. Now things are not looking so great. Now that camp spot is actually looking like a death encampment. They're trapped by the mountain on one side and the sea on the other. And yet, friends, that is exactly where God led them so that he might reveal his glory in this moment. Amen? The third rule is that when you find yourself in the midst of a crisis, when you find yourself in a place where all hell is broken out, when you find yourself in a place that you do not understand, when you find yourself filled with worry and anxiety, when you find yourself about to cry or crying because things have gotten so overwhelming, then cry out to the Lord, pray, Pray, pray. Rule number three. This isn't just any kind of prayer. This is a prayer that I actually call crisis mode prayer. There's a diff there, there are different types of prayers, amen? I know that you're a praying church. I, 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 I sensed and I've known even by you opening your church up to us when we were praying and fasting for 21 days across the nation, 21 nights. We went across this whole province leading prayers and, and leading prayer meetings. This was one church that allowed us to come to hope to lead that prayer. So I know you're a praying church, but there are different kinds of prayers. Most, of, most commonly, we, we pray devotionally, what I'm going to call devotionally. Most commonly, we pray for the needs of others as we know and understand them, for their health, for their wealth, for their well-being, for their relationships, for the difficulties they're facing, for their jobs, what have you. That, there is nothing wrong with those kinds of prayers. Those are good prayers, and you ought to keep praying them, but that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about crisis mode praying. I'm talking about praying when you don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm talking about praying when you no longer know what to do. I'm talking about praying when you are beside yourself on a beach. And you're not even sure what to say anymore. That's when you pray at a different level. Amen? Hey, listen. When I cry, I, I, I don't know about you. I, I think I know about most of the men in this crowd. 
I, I can't just cry. You know, there's been times when I wanted to cry and I couldn't cry. I can't just cry. When this guy cries, he's reached another level emotionally. Amen? He's at a different place. It doesn't just happen. When you pray crisis mode prayer, you've reached another place spiritually. You've, you've reached another place spiritually, a place of urgency, a place of focus, a place of concentration. It's a different kind of prayer I'm talking about this morning. Now, here's why it's important. And you guys, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm just getting all kinds of witness, that, because I offered a couple of different messages that I could bring, but I'm getting all, a lot of witness that this was the message. Why do we need to learn how to pray crisis mode prayers? Uh, you're, you're old enough and I can tell you're mature enough just by having sat with you these few minutes to know that the reality is every true follower of Jesus will repeatedly find themselves in seasons of crisis and difficulty. Can anybody say amen to that? <laughs> Whoever does not take up their cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And I tell you, when you take up the cross of Christ, when you take up the life of Jesus, you are going to face challenge and difficulty. That's all there is to it. Now, you're going to face challenge and difficulty regardless of if you take up the cross or not, because that's a part of life in a fallen world. But if you take up the cross of Christ, you're going to face difficulties because you did. Amen? You're going to face difficulties because you did. Listen, I, Morgan made, made the comment about the Israelites' prayer that I thought was really interesting. He said, he said, the Israelites' prayer on that day where they cried out to the Lord, he said that their prayer was urgent, it was united, it was unfeigned, meaning it was sincere. But here's the key point. This is what I want you to see. But then he makes this remarkable insight, and he says, it was unbelieving. Hold on, I just caught you. We just did a U-turn, didn't we? Oh, my, but this is so important that we see this. This is really important that we see this. He says their prayer was unbelieving. Well, okay, you don't just make that statement without actually seeing it from the text. Where, where, where do we get it from the text? How do we know? They said to Moses, this is the next verse, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. Hello? We'd rather, we'd rather be under the control of the devil. We'd rather live our lives in slavery. Hello? Oh, my. Oh, my, oh, my. We'd rather die in the desert. Oh, my goodness. Listen. Let's, let's move. Let's move, though, to us now. Let's move, let's, let's, let's move because the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to help us to see something critical here, something very, very important. 
Nothing exposes our unbelief more than our grumbling, our complaining. How many of you know that human beings are prone to complain? How many of you know that human beings are, are prone to grumbling? And how many of you know that too many of us who are followers of Christ fall into that fleshly trap? Now, here's the insight that I felt like the Lord gave me as I was preparing this message. And I think it's very important. I give it to you to consider. Nothing, as I said, reveals our, our, more clearly our unbelief. Out of one breath, they're crying out to the Lord. Out of next breath, they're complaining about the leaders and what's going on and how terrible it all is, and they didn't want to do this. Now, grumbling acts like a corrosive in your spirit. When you grumble, the reality is it gobbles the very faith right out of your heart. Can anybody give me a give witness to that? There's nothing that deadens faith faster than grumbling and complaining. And it can happen just that fast. You and I can be in here, hands lifted high, worshiping, praising Jesus, walk out that door and start grumbling and complaining. All the faith gets taken right out of our spirit. Isn't that, isn't that true? And that's why it's so important, friends, that you and I guard our hearts from that. Listen, there are two most common responses to a crisis. The two most common are this, either faith or fear, right? People who respond in faith, they tend to pray. When you're in a crisis, you go to the Lord. People who respond in fear tend to complain. Those who pray are less likely to complain, and those who complain are less likely to pray. Can anybody give me a witness? Oh, my. And you know what the reality is? It's too close to home for those of us who know and love Jesus. And that's why I believe that the Lord wants me to bring this awakening reminder across the nation as well. Is it too often those of us who know Jesus... We're complaining about what's happening here, there, and everywhere. And if we're not careful, it eats the faith right out of our hearts because we're believing for something much bigger and it has nothing to do with what's going on here right now. Amen? We're trusting God. That brings us back to asking ourselves, what's our tendency? Is it to run to God in faith or is it to actually be consumed by our fears about what's going on. Are there things to be afraid about today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hello. Tell me what there's not to be afraid of today. In light of what's all going on, and that's why it's so essential that you and I center ourselves in the Lord, because it was always about us going home from the beginning of our journey. We're sojourners, this is not our home. If this is not our home, why are we so caught up in what's going on in and around it that we feel like we have to fight all the time for to defend the things that we hold on to and have when in fact 
we're going home and we're supposed to be looking to take as many people along with us as we can. How is it that you and I as Christians can get so twisted up? I mean, we're all recognizing grumbling and complaining is something we do not want to do. How is it then that we get so twisted up? How does it happen? Well, I felt like the Lord gave me an illustration this summer that, that made, made a lot of sense and was very helpful to me. And it surrounded the, the Olympics. Now, as I ask people today, uh, how many of you watched any of the Olympics this summer? I don't necessarily find a lot of people who watched much of the Olympics, but I'm an athlete and I've always enjoyed athletic competition. The scripture always obviously uses it, many metaphors. But this woman that you can see here, if you could recognize the picture, it's not a great picture, her name's Simone Biles. How many of you know who she is? Would you raise your hand if you know who she is? So a lot of you don't know who she is. Let me introduce you to her. She's actually the greatest gymnast that has ever put on an outfit. She is so great that they have, they've actually named events after this woman. She was expected to win more, uh, uh, more gold medals at the last Olympics than anyone has ever won in gymnastics. And yet on the first event, uh, she defaulted, and it was like the world was in shock. She was doing the pummel horse, so she runs down, and she flips several times, and she hits this thing and flies off of it, okay? The next day in the news was this message that she got the twisties. And everybody is looking and thinking, what on earth is the twisties? Well, try to imagine the fact that these gymnasts, when they are up in the air, they have to make decisions in less than a hundredth of a second. Am I turning? Am I twisting? And am I somersault? What am I doing? All of that has to happen in hundredths of a second. And if you flinch for a moment, not even a moment. If you flinch for a hundredth of a second, you get twisted up. Now here's what I wanna to say to you, friends, is that I think that in the church today, we're struggling with what I would call a case of the twisties. We're getting twisted up in our minds and in our hearts. Too many people in the church today are making decisions based upon how they feel about things. What they feel is right and wrong, what they feel is good and bad, rather than basing their decisions and their commitments on the solid rock of the word of God. Whenever you and I place our affections and our emotions above the word of God about any subject, but it just seems to, to be that in our day and age, the subject of sexuality is the one that most often gets placed above what the word actually says. 
and the truth that it gives. And we end up getting all twisted up emotionally based on how it makes us feel and how it makes others feel. And we end up compromising the truth. We're not wanting to do that. How do we deal with those spiritual twisties? Well, first of all, you and I have to confess that we struggle with them. (laughs) Does anybody struggle with keeping the word and the truth preeminent in your life in relationship to all that's going on? The fears that we're facing, the difficulties that we're facing, the level and the amount that the word is challenged in our life and in our world, well, first of all, if we'll confess it, and I take from Mark 9, 22, that story of the father, which I've always loved, the man that came to Jesus, he said, if you can do anything, t- take pity on us and help us. And I always loved the fact that Jesus said, if you can. <laughs> you're, you're speaking to the son of God and you're saying, you're using the conditional clause, if, if I can. Jesus, what did he say? He said, everything is possible for one who believes. Amen? Everything is possible for one. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Want want to get the twisties straightened out? We got to come back to the place of saying, Lord, I do believe in your word. I do believe in the truth. I do believe in what you say. Help me in this struggle right now that I'm having emotionally. Number two, you got to exercise your belief. Now, that might be, to some of you, kind of like a no-duh. Hello, what? Exercise my unbelief. What are you talking Exercise your belief. Well, the fact is, in order for belief to work, it has to be worked. You actually have to work it. Amen? You have to actually put it into play. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Listen, the mountain represents the impossibilities, the crises, the difficulties, the things that you and I cannot control. If those things are going to change, then we actually have to pray into those things. We have to pray about those things. This is crisis mode praying. This is praying about things that you cannot change. You see, sometimes we get to the place to where we only pray about the things that we know that we can change or that we have some level of control over. Belief does its best work when it's aimed directly at your biggest fears, your greatest difficulties, and your most challenging circumstances. You know what everyone has in common in this room today? We all have fears. Every one of you have a difficulty in your life right now that's bigger than you and you're not winning that. And every one of us have challenging circumstances that we can't get worked out. Isn't that the truth? Oh my. Well, the number three thing, you gotta, you gotta confess your wrestle with unbelief. You gotta actually put your belief to work And then number three, you and I really got to guard ourselves from complaining. 
because it's just going to eat up the, the you know here's here's the here's the, uh, the 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 positive reality this is so amazing Apostle Paul said, Philippians chapter 2, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. No new verse. Some of you have held that promise for a long time and thought about that promise. But here's the thing that dawned on me again is that are you telling me that if I would just quit grumbling, complaining, and arguing, just stop doing that, that I'd actually stand out as though I was a star in the sky? You know what I find that's happening with too many of us too oftentimes is the fact that we're, instead of standing out, we're doing our best to fit in. And there's only one way that you can fit in you have to grumble along with them. Isn't that the truth? Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. Can, can, can I encourage you with just a thought about how, to, how, how you can counter that? Because it's difficult, isn't it? It's challenging. How many of you have gone to a little dinner party or you've gone to an outing or an activity and all of a sudden you're in a group and they're just grumbling and complaining about this and that and the government and the church and this and this and that? And there you find yourself there, and you in your heart go, I don't want to join this, but you're, you're there. Or it's just an individual, and you're sitting down with one of your girlfriends, and all of a sudden, the grumbling and complaining starts to happen. Can I give you a, a thought about how to deal with that? Because if, if you want to stand out, you're going to have to step in. You're going to have to step in. And in a very kind, in a very gentle, in a very patient and gracious way, you could say, hey, Frank, it's obvious you're terribly set, upset. And you have every right to be. I'm not, I'm not dismissing your concerns or your challenges, but Frank, could you and I actually pray into that together right now? Don't, don't wait for an answer, just, just start praying. <laughs> don't wait for an answer, just start praying. And then you actually, without being obnoxious, without being rude, without being a goofball, you're actually leading them into the presence of Jesus, who alone can help and change it. Amen? Okay, let's get, let's get moving. You want to give your fears a scare? Do you want to know how to give your fears a scare? I actually had a great story opening on this scare thing and, and your fears, but I just wanted to cut this message back just because it's going to go late. How many of you, you, how many of you have fears? Any, any of you have fears? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Listen, if you don't have fears, something's wrong with you. You're either not alive or you're not real or you're, 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 you're actually in a lot of denial. We've all got fears. What about instead of you being taken and overcome by your fears, what about you giving your fears a scare? Is that possible? Does that sound goofy to you? It should sound a little goofy to us because it's like so often we're overcome by our fears, right? <laughs> and it sounds like, what? How would I give my fears a scare? Well, let me tell you, there is a way. We can't go back to the closet because I didn't share with you about the closet. First of all, what we need to do, now I'm winding down, okay? Been most patient, I'm letting you know I'm winding down. What happens with unbelief 
is that we start lowering our expectations. What happens with unbelief is we start lowering the targets we're even praying into. We're praying about things that we could actually have some influence over, things that we could potentially affect, things that we could potentially change, but we're not praying about those things that are bigger and more challenging, more frightening and more anxious by name. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do today is start to reset some believing targets. Don't be afraid of that. I'm not telling you that the moment you start praying, believing uh, against your believing targets, everything's going to change immediately or even if all, at all. But I am going to tell you you're going to change. And the, and the level of your faith is going to rise because you're going to get your eyes in a new level, in a new place, seeing new things. I want to encourage you today here. We're winding up. This, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm giving you some stuff that I'm really encouraging you to actually think about doing. Identify the hairiest, scariest reality in your life right now. What is it? Whatever it is, the hairiest, scariest reality in your life, that's target number one. The thing that you don't think can change, the thing that has a hold of you, the thing that ha is wearing you down, taking you down, then I want to encourage you this. I want you to lock it in. And in fact, I'd encourage you to identify the top two or three things and actually write them down. Lock them in, write them down, and then commit to pray into those targets every day for the next 30 days. Now, again, I'm not saying at the end of the 30 days, all this is magic, it's all worked out, yada, yada. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, in order to actually develop a pattern, you have to make a commitment that you're going to actually work at because the challenge is most, a lot of you are going to walk out of here today and you're going to think, Mal, you know, he had some good things to say. What did he tell us to do? What did you encourage us about? <laughs> 30 days of praying in the mighty name of Jesus. I know that you pray in the name of Jesus. I know that you end in that way. But here's what I want to encourage you. I've begun to reverse it. Instead of praying in the mighty name of Jesus to close, I want to get my attitude in the right place. I want to get my mindset in the right place. So I'm beginning those prayers within the mighty name of Jesus. I'm addressing the things that are biggest in my life before I get out of bed. I'm not spending an hour praying in bed. I'm just in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying for things to happen in Canada. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus for things that need to happen in my life and in my relationships. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus for one of my sons right now in a very specific situation I cannot change. But I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus for it to come down. And for the doors to open up. Amen. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that the mountains in my life will move. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that knees will bow around him. 
I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that tongues will confess he is Lord. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that demons are going to flee. In my life, oh my, harassed, attacked, I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that strongholds will break. I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus that faith will rise in this house. There's faith in this house, but I'm praying that faith will even rise. Amen? You need more, Pastor Bruce? Do we need any, any more? Let's release it. Let's release whatever what the Lord wants. Okay, now listen. Why would, must we never forget the, the outcome of the Red Sea? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see these whining, complaining Jewish people who had lost faith. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Amen? This is about God's fight. That's why we're praying in the mighty name of Jesus. This isn't about you and I trying to tear things down or take things over. This is about his will, his word, his way, because he's got us where he wants us right now. Whatever you're facing, this day is to the glory of God. Amen? And that your, our prayer would be that he'd be seen through us. And then lastly, because the same thing that happened to them is going to happen to us. Amen? Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the earth, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Amen and amen. This is all about the fact that you and I are holding tight. We are holding strong. We are believing. We are battling in Jesus' name for everyone that we can battle for and see come into the kingdom of God to the glory of God in Canada. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the witness of your word. We thank you that whenever we hear your word, and it is actually truly your word, there's a witness to the truth in our hearts. I pray for you, my brothers and sisters, and I would pray whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has actually helped you to see, would you embrace it? Would you run with it? Father, we thank you, Lord. We want to be found faithful as we stand, as we live, as we walk in this world. We want to direct people back to the one who is mighty to save. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Wow. That was powerful. Gonna do one more song.